Data and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature, maybe. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on psychology, I want to speak to you about, of course, New Year's resolutions. But I want to speak about it not maybe from the perspective that you would expect, as in why we shouldn't have New Year's resolutions, because we tend to not stick to them, right? And why is that and all of that? And that can definitely be the topic of an episode. But I wanted to speak about something different today. So what I want you to think about is that New Year's resolutions come from a perspective that there is something that isn't right, that there is something in the situation I am in right now that I want to get out of and change. Fair enough. But here is my wish for you for this year. Instead of looking where you need to improve, can you Ask yourself, what is trying to get my attention? Now, this is a bit of a difficult mental gymnastics because that is not really what we are used to doing, which means that it's unfamiliar and therefore feels strange. And we're not good at it if it feels strange and so we don't want to do it because it's hard. I remember hearing this in not at all this context, but from an Ayurvedic doctor who was looking at different kind of symptoms that someone was manifesting. And instead of trying to fix them, the symptoms, asking what is trying to get my attention here. And so there's basically two perspectives, right? looking at where do I need to improve things and then asking instead, hmm, what is asking for my attention right now? And the difference between the two perspectives is that one is trying to push through a wall that you've, well, probably, let's face it, have been trying to push through already, but it's not moving. So you are not really changing anything in how you understand what is happening or how you approach it, you are, well, blindly just hoping that doing the same thing as you have always done, but just with more willpower, you will manage to break down the wall. And then the other perspective is maybe less of a black and white one, which is also why we find it uncomfortable because it's less clear. We do like when it's very clear and when we have this right or wrong, black or white, good or bad kind of approach. And so it's more of an investigation, one of curiosity. Let me illustrate with an example that is very clear to me and very 
close to home, especially for me and many people out there, the problems with not being able to sleep, right? Insomnia. Perspective one, what is my problem? I cannot sleep. What are the different methods of finding sleep that I will try and I will try them all and very often you might even head down the alley of taking sleeping pills, right? Perspective two would say, okay, why am I not sleeping? I am not sleeping because my mind is too busy. If my mind is too busy, then maybe I need to focus on why it is so busy at that time of the night. Because apparently it is so loud, basically screaming and shouting and kicking for my attention. So the reason for not sleeping is that the mind won't allow me to sleep. And then there it is. Oh, okay. So I need to bring attention to what is going on with my mind. I have had this situation, not necessarily with the sleep, but other things with students in yoga teacher trainings. And it was the case of myself in my uh, yoga teacher training that I went to except for the focus was on something else and it was um, the digestive system, constipation. And it's even common for a lot of people in many ways, this idea of constipation. So the digestive system is off, right? And when we are talking about people going on a yoga teacher training, there's the, the fact that you've traveled far, you are not in a place that is your natural environment, the climate is completely different. Your whole body is, you know, reacting to that. Of course, usually people are quite jet lagged because they tend to travel to another part of the world when they do this. Let's face it, they travel to from the west to the east very often, right, to do these kind of things. And so for one or two weeks, people are off in their internal clock. Actually, people don't realize just how bad jet lag is for the organism and that it takes quite some time to come back. Basically, they're not at home. Okay, so naturally, the habits that they have, the routines that they tend to do are out of whack. So they try everything, right? All the things to get their digestive system functioning again. And yet it's not. And so instead of then trying to push through the wall where they've tried to do all these things and it's still not working, what they need to do is to say, wait, my system is apparently trying to get my attention. Because more than that whole thing of being in a different place and being jet lagged and eating different things, there's so much new information coming at these people. And there's so many new things that they are doing to themselves. And there's that whole fear of kind of just letting go of a different perspective. Letting go of maybe control as well. Since they're all, all of a sudden in this like new environment that they don't know. It's a first time experience. It's a question of accepting something, right? Acceptance, letting go, surrendering really. So constipation... What is that? It's the opposite of acceptance and letting go and surrendering. It is on the contrary of retention, holding on to. It's the body's way of asking for attention. It is telling you 
who have the constipation, even though you tried all the different things, that there is something that needs to be accepted in order for the organism to function properly again. We are creatures of habit and we are more than anything else creatures of a sense of self. It's not easy to let go of things. It's not easy to just adapt into something new. If we could, we would do like the duck and just shake it off. I also see this in the therapy room. I'm taking a couple of seconds away from the episode just to bring your attention towards my program, Nourish, Balance, Thrive. It's the eight-week online program, finding balance again through the help of Ayurveda and psychology. We will start a new round in the new year. And if you want to find balance in your physical body, in your mind and in your heart through the natural way by tuning into the law of nature, maybe dealing with things such as chronic inflammation or fatigue, things like insulin resistance or attention deficit, or even just feeling better in your body and in your mind, then this program is for you. I've created this program in a dynamic that there's individual work for every person, but also group dynamic with weekly calls and of course interactions with me on a daily basis. It's been created as well in a way that you should be able to maintain your daily activities all the while we're having the program going in the background so that you can definitely implement the new habits and see the results while you're still maintaining of course the life that you are living as well. Do reach out if you want more information. You can simply email me and you find all the information in the show notes of the episode. Because right now as well, the program is at the lowest price that it will ever have. So don't wait. Reach out today. Get more information on the program. Get in touch with me and make sure that it meets your needs. There's a longing of proof of doing the right thing, progressing, going in the right direction, asking for validation of some kind. Why am I like this? What do I need to do in order to change? How do you look at me? What's your idea of me? What's your perception? Perfectly understandable questions, of course. That pop up. But they are all focused on the goal, keeping the eyes on the ball. And what that does to us is what our friends in Hollywood would call cut to the chase. Or as neuropsychiatrists could word it when it comes to certain habits we have, how they were installed, which was remember what you did, where you got it from, how it made you feel, and then forget about the details. I want to be there now. I want to 
acquire this right now. I do not want to be where I'm at. I want to be somewhere else. So it's really actually a habit loop that we are caught in. And that is so well ingrained that we can't imagine looking at it from a different way. Why am I saying habit loop? Well, because we are addicted actually to this idea that this is where I want to be at. I want to feel a certain way. I want to experience something. And so in my mind's eye, this is what I'm looking at. And I forget about the details of how to get there. I just know that this is where I want to be. And that's perfectly understandable. And it's actually very efficient. We look at a situation and we say, what needs to be done in order to achieve what we want? Then we focus on changing what isn't working. However, that is a very rational approach to an irrational positioning. It is telling the five-year-old who's crying why there's no reason to cry. And that is indeed true, but it will not actually make the child feel much better because the crying is coming from a need to be soothed, to be comforted. So if instead we tend to that, soothing the crying child, we could potentially talk more rationally about the situation afterwards. What we do when we keep doing the same thing that might not give the result we wish for is that we are using our strategies of survival. There are a lot of those in our habits. And usually... They're so us, air quotes, they're so me, that we might not detect them with the naked eye. And here is where I want you to become curious, starting to become really aware of what we do and when we do them, using the tool of the mind, the narrative as our guide, Why did I do that at that moment? What was the thought that turned my attention towards such and such? It's not an easy exercise, as I said. It takes a bit of a work to get the hang of it. Because it is asking you to look at yourself differently, really. So let's unpack this to make it a little bit more tangible. I want to take a situation that many of us can relate to and let's say it might even be one of those typical New Year's resolution kind of situations, a relationship to food. So let's say that we would want to make a resolution of losing weight. We create a plan of action, exercise, healthy food, what not. A common issue is that sticking to that plan usually means deprivation or what we would do if there would be no restrictions. 
And this is of course why we can only maintain the plan of action for so long. It's not sustainable and we go into a yo-yo mode. Sticking to it, then letting it go and maybe put on weight again. Maybe even more than before. Of course the disappointment comes back and pushes us to go there again. What we did not do is to figure out why we have more weight than we wish. Often we get caught in the loop of overexercising and therefore our hunger goes up so that we eat more than we need. That in itself creates a guilt loop and so we start to compensate the overeating with even more exercise. And that does not work. Believe you me, I've been there. So instead of making the resolution, this year I will lose weight. What we would do in the different perspective would be to say, why is my body asking for my attention? If I have more weight, I am eating too much of the wrong thing. And why am I doing that? Here is where we begin to shift our approach. Instead of just blindly stating that we need to starve ourselves, we become curious as to why we eat too much. And then begin to then use that tool of the narrative around eating. When I am triggered to want to eat, Okay, what's the narrative around that? What happens in that moment? And then, of course, when I am eating, what's the narrative? Using mindfulness, presence, to become aware of what is actually going on in the moment. And then, instead of being dismissive about it, judgmental about it, become curious, investigate in it. Behind the New Year's resolutions we are used to making, there is, like I started out saying, this idea of, I don't want to be where I'm at. Or we could also say that is this idea of scarcity. What I want to get to is that there is an idea about ourselves that isn't satisfying. It's not good the way it is now. I am not enough the way I am now, so I need to make some adjustments in order to fix that. Can you see how that is more a worry about other people than yourself. It's more a concern of how you are being perceived and potentially judged than the actual care of yourself and your well-being. A strategy that we have, that we keep doing, that we try and that isn't successful, is nothing more than an addiction. It's the repeated behavior 
even though the outcome is no longer the reward we were seeking in the first place and we keep doing it. Imagine that we could take this thought and look at anything in our lives. All of a sudden, we become aware of the fact that our whole life is a reflection of what we are giving our attention to and what we're neglecting. And the things that we are neglecting then are not so much weaknesses anymore. They are messages to us that we are needing to turn our attention towards them. I want to speak about that because of two reasons. Number one, this is really the best way to approach changes in general because you are stepping away from the shaming that we're so used to having. And when shame is in the root, in the base of an action, it tends to misfire. It tends to not be successful because it's coming from this idea of scarcity instead. And so it's a little bit like the addiction that we have that we want to get rid of and we're trying to stop the addiction by simply pushing ourselves into depriving ourselves of whatever it is. And that's usually not very successful because that's what we see with people who try a lot of things. And if I would tie the knot with what I said when I started out, it's usually the reason that the resolutions tend to misfire as well. And that three days in or two weeks in, we're back again. But the second part, the second reason of that is because it's actually not helping us in terms of self-integration. As long as we are trying to live more fully, more happily, let's say, an integrated life, there is one aspect that we find very challenging to understand because we have never been taught that. And that means to integrate all of the parts of ourselves that we have pushed away into what we would call the shadow, the things that we um, don't want to be a part of ourselves. And the reason that we don't move forward with ourselves when we try to work on ourselves is because we're resisting that part. It's like trying to swim against the stream which basically will just tire us out and not really have us moving forward. So if we actually want to move forward, we need to turn around and just allow for the stream to take us, which means exactly the same here. When there is something that is not serving me and so I want to change it for the new year, by having this quite harsh approach to myself. Stop doing this, begin doing this, push, 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 here's the to-do list. I am actually still in the resistance 
of something that is ultimately a part of who I am, even though I wish that it wasn't. And it will not work. It will be unsuccessful every time. And you can keep doing this, just like the people that I see, let's say, in consultation, who wish for me to validate their unhealthy behaviors. And I say, well, I'm not going to say, yeah, keep doing it, because obviously it hasn't helped you so far since you're sitting here in front of me. Or the people I see in therapy who keep repeating the same patterns of behavior, expecting a different outcome. And I will not say to them, yes, keep doing it. Maybe next time it will change. But the only way that it works is by stopping the resistance. So being, okay, you know what? I'm just going to accept that you are here, like the crying child. If you pretend that they're not there because you don't want to, the only thing that you can do is to put your fingers in your ears and go, la, la, la. <laughs> but it's not going to take away the fact that the crying child is there. So instead begin to deal with it. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so... I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste. Namaste.